So, uh, good morning. My name is Dave. I'm the lead pastor here. If it's your very first time here in person, watching us online, if you're joining us for the very first time, we're thrilled to have you with us. We're actually, uh, we're in a series. We've been, the last couple of weeks, talking about this idea of real love. So I thought I would uh, start out this morning by saying, you know who I hate? All right, so maybe, maybe hate's a bit of a strong word and uh, doesn't fit too well in a series about love. But uh, you know who I have a real hard time with? Some of you who know me well, you're already thinking, I think he's going to say country music fans. Okay, so uh, no, no, not this week. Uh, that's not who I was going to say. Uh, be a good guess. But no, I'm not going to talk about country music fans. And I do realize, you know, I was thinking about it as I wrote that down in my notes this week. I, at some point, I'm going to go too far with these country music jokes, aren't I? One week, it's just going to be one joke too many. One of you country fans, you're going to leave after church. My car's going to be in the parking lot. You're going to take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. You're going to slash my tires with a, or something. Because <laughs> you country fans, you're crazy. <laughs> no, I'll tell you who I struggle with, okay? It's people who are mean or who might harm in some way my kids. Say what you want to me, do what you want to me. But man, when you, when you upset my kids, when you do something mean to my kids, man, that gets to me. I think about, you know, my kids uh, as they were going through school. There was that one teacher that just seemed to have it in for one of my kids. And, oh, man, that was, that was tough. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I know my kids aren't perfect. When you've been to your eighth parent-teacher conference and you hear, yet again, uh, he's a little bit chatty. <laughs> uh, he likes to talk a lot, make people laugh. <laughs> I realize, you know, that that may be true of this particular kid. And uh, he gets that from his mum, obviously. Um, the coach who for some reason just isn't playing my kid. I'm sure he's better, and, but I just see him kind of walking off the, the field afterwards with his head hung down and it just breaks my heart. Or that time when I hear a story about uh, my kid comes home from school and another kid has treated them mean or said something and I just see the brokenness and the hurt and ah, it just, it, it drives me crazy. But on the flip side, you do something good for my kids, you treat my kids well, I will love you for life. I can remember when one of my kids was younger, she was still in Connect Kids, and one of her Connect Kids leaders came and watched her play Washington Park District Soccer, because her and another girl from this person's, this leader's small group were uh, on the same team together. So they came and watched my daughter play. She loved it. I've had leaders in Connect Youth who have um, cheered on my kids in sports they've been in, who have texted them when they're going through tough times. Those, those people are my heroes. I love those people because they did good to my kids. You see, for two weeks, we've been talking about this idea of real love. And we came up with the, uh, uh, the definition, the title, from a verse uh, that one of Jesus' disciples himself, a guy who spent time with Jesus, wrote. His name was John, and in 1 John 4.10, he says this. He says, this is real love. It's not that we've loved God, but that he loved us that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. And that's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks. We've been talking about how much God loves us. Last Sunday, Andy spoke about how we are to love God in return, did a fantastic job. If you didn't get to hear that, definitely worth going back and listening to that. But I wanna tell you this morning, it doesn't matter how much we choose to love God, it doesn't matter how much we understand how, how, how great his love is for us. If we don't love his kids, 
If we don't treat his kids right, we're in trouble. Because God loves you and he loves me and he loves all of us. So we have a responsibility not just to love God, but to love one another. Because these are God's kids. In fact, John says something about this in a couple of chapters before this verse about real love. He talks about this very idea. In chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, he says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister live in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. You see, for two weeks now, we've been talking about vertical love. We talked about the fact that God loves us. And then last week, we talked about how we can love him return. It's like this invisible line between us and God. And I want to tell you here this morning, because maybe you're here visiting, maybe you're still trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You haven't yet taken that step of faith. You still have some questions. I want to let you know this morning that that line already exists. That God loves you so much this morning. There is already a line from God to you. A vertical line that comes down and says, he loves you so much. And he's just dying for you to love him back, to respond, to, to have a relationship with him. But as well as this vertical line in this series, Real Love, we want to talk about a horizontal line as well. We want to talk about God's love for us, our love for God, but also how we should love one another and what that looks like. You might think, well, why can't we just stop at week two? Why can't we just, you know, as a follower of Jesus, why can't we kind of just um, assess our relationship with God by how much we understand that he loves us and how much we love him? Surely that makes us, you know, great followers of Jesus. And it does, but we're stopping short because there's more than that. And Paul, another uh, guy in the New Testament, he explains why we can't just stop with vertical love alone. He's writing to a church in a city called Corinth, and in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 20, listen to what he says of us, followers of Jesus. He says in verse 20, so we are Christ's ambassadors. Did you know that this morning? If you are a follower of Jesus, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. That vertical line is coming through us and out. Now, us Brits, uh, we tend to have a, uh, a bit of a habit of getting ourselves into trouble sometimes. And, and really, it's because of our Britishness. We just, we just can't help ourselves. And I found out this week that back in the 70s, there was this uh, uh, radio DJ in Washington, D.C., and it was Christmas time, and he thought it'd be fun for his show to, to contact some of the ambassadors from the different foreign embassies there in Washington, D.C., to ask them what they would like for Christmas. So apparently he contacted the, uh, the British ambassador there in Washington, D.C., and he said, I'm doing this thing. I want to announce on air what the different ambassadors want for Christmas. So what would you like for Christmas? And this, this guy, being typically British, was a little bit anxious. He thought, well, I don't want to appear too ostentatious. And if I say something too big, they'll think I'm trying to solicit a bribe. So he thought, I'm going to go with a safe bet here. So he's, he says to the DJ, well, I'd, I'd be happy with some aftershave and a pair of slippers which is so British. That's literally my Christmas list from last year. <laughs> After shaving a pair of slippers. 
So he tunes in Christmas morning to listen. The DJ comes on and he says, you know, Merry Christmas to you all. We thought it'd be fun to, to speak to some of the ambassadors from different countries around the world and ask them what they would like for Christmas. And uh, he said, we called the French ambassador and he said, this Christmas, my wish is for peace and goodwill to all men. The German ambassador, he says, I want to see an end to hunger and disease throughout the world. The British ambassador, he wants aftershave and some nice slippers. <laughs> Such a British thing to do. But like many other capitals throughout the world, Washington DC is the home to ambassadors from all over the world. In fact, I looked it up this week. There are 175 ambassadors from different countries around the world that live in Washington, D.C. And do you know why they're there? They're there as ambassadors to represent their people, to represent their cultures, their values of the country that they are from here in the United States in the capital in Washington, D.C. If you are a follower of Jesus here this morning... You, as Paul just said, are an ambassador to the world. Just like those guys and gals in Washington, D.C., we are here in the world as ambassadors. So it's not enough for us just to receive God's love and to love him back. It's up to us to represent the love of God in this world. We are his ambassadors. We are his representatives mirroring the love of God to those around us. What a huge responsibility. So that's why we really have to spend some time today and next week saying, well, what does that look like? How does, how does real love get mirrored through us? How, is, how can we as ambassadors mirror this love of God to one another? Because you see, if you think about it, anything that doesn't flow dies. It becomes stagnant. God's love flows into us. It ministers to us. We love him back. We've got this really cool thing going on between us and God, but if it doesn't flow out of us to others, it becomes like this stagnant pool of water and our lives just begin to stink. And Jesus was pretty clear about this. Jesus was pretty clear about our responsibility to love others. Listen to what he said when he was grilled one day by some religious leaders in Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, these were two uh, very famous religious groups at the time. When the Pharisees heard that, he'd been, that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your minds. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But a second, which is equally as important, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on just these two commandments. There is so much packed into this short response that Jesus shares with these people. But I think it gets to the root of what was problematic back in Jesus' time. And if we're honest with ourselves, it's probably problematic to us today as well. Because I don't know if you noticed, but did you see where the question came from? It came from an expert in religious law. This is the guy who knew it all. He knew every single rule. 
He knew the rules, and, and in Jesus' time, there would have been a lot of debate amongst him and his, his colleagues about of all these rules, and it was more than just 10 commandments. There were hundreds of commandments that the, the, the Jews at that time had to follow, so they would debate with one another the, the merit of importance of all these commands. But there was one thing that they did all agree on. What they all agreed on was that these rules were there to be followed, and therefore it was their responsibility to make sure that these rules were followed. So they're looking for Jesus to, to, to say, okay, which of these rules are the most important? And Jesus says this. He says, love God, love others. Love God, love others. Can you imagine how that must have landed amongst these, these rule-following Pharisees who'd memorized hundreds of rules and they're like, whoa, 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 wait. You're saying just two? It just boils down to these two? Now, I don't think they had a problem believing that these two were important. In fact, I think they would have agreed with Jesus. Yes, those two are very important, but you're saying just those two, and that's it? That sounds pretty vague. And then Jesus doubles down on this, and he says, not only that, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, they're actually based on these two commandments. The Pharisees, this is driving them crazy. They're like, I need a list. I need a list of all the things that are right and wrong. Then every day I can wake up and in my own strength, I can follow all of those rules. And better still, I can tell people how great I am at following those rules. And best yet, I can find the people who aren't following the rules and let them know that they're not following the rules because that's what a true follower of God does. And Jesus messes it all up with this vague kind of just just love God, love others. It just sounds crazy. My family and I, we, uh, we're, we're fans of a show on Netflix called The British Bake Off or The Great British Bake Off. I don't know if any of you guys have watched that. It's a fun show to watch and um, uh, it's, it's very British. Maybe you've watched it and thought it's weird. But um, each week they have these, uh, these just regular people who come in and they, they're given these recipes they have to bake and they have to go through different challenges. And then by the end of the season, it's down to just four or three contestants left and then they crown one of them, The Great British Baker for that season. And it's fun to watch, and um, every week without fail, they follow the same three um, exercises. And the second one is this challenge that Paul and Prue, they're the, the two master chefs, the master bakers there in England, they come up with one of their favorite recipes, and it's normally a challenging recipe to make, or it might be somewhat obscure, like no one really makes it very often. And they say, okay, you've got to make this recipe. And then they leave, and the contestants, they lift up this blanket, and there's all the ingredients and the vaguest set of instructions you can imagine. And you just watch these contestants in horror look at the list and they're like, I've never even seen one of these in real life. I've now got to bake it and this is the instructions you give me? It says things like, make pastry. Like, I need to know how much eggs, how much, is there eggs in pastry? I don't know, flour, whatever you need to make pastry. You know, I need to know all the ingredients. I need to know how much of each one. Then it says, you know, put it together, then bake how long? How hot? You know, I've never made one of these before, but that's, that's the whole point of the challenge is it separates the, uh, the real cooks from the others because they have to use all their skills and expertise to, to figure out exactly how long to bake this dish they've never made before. You see, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' days, they were used to recipe lists of rules. Boxes next to each one they could check off each day. And it sounds hard, but for them... And and if we're honest with ourselves, probably for us today, 
is it should be easier to narrow it all down to love God and love others, but for many of us, it's not. And I'll tell you why. Paul explains. In fact, this is how important this subject is of Jesus in talking about love, because Paul writes, I'm gonna read the passage he writes here in a second. It's in Romans 13, eight through 10. It's all about love, but it comes right after this whole passage where he's been talking about government and how God's put leaders in government above us and we should respect and submit to our leaders. And then he talks about taxes and how we should pay our taxes. So this is, a, Paul's literally talking to the Roman Christians about what it means to, to live in society and, and this kind of thing. He goes, oh, and by the way, speaking of taxes, let me tell you about the debt of love. It's like everything was so important that even when he's talking about taxes, it's like a reminder that, that Paul uses to talk about Jesus' rules of love. So with the background of taxes, listen to what Paul says in verses eight through 10. Let no debt, he's talking about taxes here, let no debt remain outstanding. Oh, except for the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be, they're all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul's saying to love one another, that's, that's a debt that will always be with you. That's a debt that you'll never pay off. We're to continue loving one another, the continuing debt to love one another. Because when you love your neighbor as yourself, you fulfill those commandments. Here's what I think Paul meant. You shall not commit adultery. That was one of the commandments, okay? They would have been familiar with that commandment. And we could follow that rule this morning because it's a commandment and we imagine that bad things might happen to us and God might be angry with us if we, if we break that commandment. Or we could say, you know what? I love my spouse. And because I love them, I don't want to do anything that would hurt or upset them. So my love for my spouse compels me to avoid wanting to do anything that might hurt them. So I'm following this commandment, not because it's a rule in a box in a check, but because my love compels me to want to follow this commandment. You shall not covet. When I see that post and that Instagram picture of someone and they're on the beach again or they're at Disney World, I'm not gonna covet. I'm not gonna get jealous and wish I was there instead of standing on my driveway shoveling snow. I wrote that on Tuesday of this week when that was relevant. Yesterday, I was riding my bike. How does that happen? Like on Tuesday, I'd literally been shoveling snow. Oh, Illinois. But the reality is we could say, well, I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna choose not to cover or be just that person because the Bible tells me not to. Or love could compel me to say, you know what? I love that that person's getting to go on vacation. I love that person. I'm glad that they get to, to enjoy some time together as a family. It's not that Jesus was saying these commandments don't count or they're not important. He was saying, no, if, if you follow the command to love one another, it will help you to follow all of these commands because love for one another will compel you to do it. Now, as followers of Jesus, here this morning who have experienced God's love and grace in our lives, you think, why even teach on this? <laughs> we get it. We know how much God loves us. We love him, 
And we're Christians, so of course we love one another. But I read a, a story this week, a lady by the name of Joyce Myers. Some of you might have heard of Joyce Myers, a very famous uh, Christian communicator and author and um, does a lot of conferences. Uh, and obviously when she's doing conferences, the majority of the people who come to hear her speak are Christians, okay? And she told this story, she goes, she was speaking, I was reading about it because she was speaking about love. And she said, you know, I was at a conference once and literally the title of my conference, the whole message for the weekend was love. I was talking about love. I was telling stories about love. She says, I kid you not. Afterwards, in the um, lobby, they were selling some of my books and a fight broke out between two ladies because they both wanted to buy the last set of DVDs of me speaking about love. <laughs> she said, in this conference, as I was speaking, I noticed in the front row, there were two ladies sat on one chair, like squeezed together. I found out afterwards, they both reserved the chair and neither one of them wants to give it up. They both wants to be on the front row. So these two strangers squashed in next to each other because neither, I was talking about love. <laughs> I'd love it if we as followers of Jesus, this came second nature to us. But the reality is, we need to be reminded again and again and again that this is a, a debt. This is something that because of God's great love for us, we now need to return and continue in that debt to love one another's, one another's, one another. <laughs> you see, when it comes to loving others, I think like the Pharisees 2,000 years ago, we, we just want a list. Jesus, just give me a list of boxes to check. As your follower, I just want to do things that are right. Tell me what I need to do today. I'll go out, I'll do those things, I'll check the boxes. But Paul was talking about a continuing debt to love one another. You see, here's the thing with debt. Debt, and this is why I love that Paul used that analogy. Debt isn't passive, is it? Debt's aggressive. That's, that's how debt is. If you owe money, if any of you have gotten into trouble and you end up owing money or you're in the creditors or you know, you've got a bill that's outstanding, you're late on your mortgage payment, you don't get a call once a year on Valentine's Day saying, hey, could you just make a payment or two on that debt you owe? Great, thanks. We won't bring this up again until next Valentine's Day. You're good for the rest of the year now. You just, you just pay that debt when you're ready, but once a year we are gonna remind you that you're a little bit of money, but then we're not gonna call you again. They're gonna call you every single day. And that's the danger. This, this series, Real Love, we're on the last day of February. Tomorrow, Monday will be March. Some of us are already thinking, well, love was like two weeks ago. <laughs> that was Valentine's Day. <laughs> Let's move on to something else. But, but this debt, every single day when we wake up in the morning, our love debt <laughs> is still outstanding. So I think in the same way, we don't wake up each day just uh, ready. When there's an opportunity to love, we'll, we'll love. It's almost like we, we as followers of Jesus, we need to wake up each morning thinking, how can I repay that debt today? How can I love someone today? How can I be an ambassador of God today in my world and reflect his love around me? Jesus said, of all the commandments, this one is the most important. And I think the fate of our neighbors and our friends who don't yet know the real love of God, it lies in how we figure this out because we're his ambassadors and they will only ever see God's real love when it's mirrored in us. Let's pray. Father, 
The truth is that while I joked about it at the beginning, there are people in our lives, loved ones, friends, family members, uh, people in our neighborhoods, our communities, who at times can be hard to love. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, but the reality is, Lord, if we were to do this in our own strength, it would be really difficult to have to keep loving one another. But God, you've not asked us to do it in our own strength, Lord. We are simply accepting and receiving the love that you've given us. God, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we don't need, we don't deserve to be loved. We know who we are. We know the stupid things we do and the dumb things we do. And yet still, God, you choose to love us again and again. So out of that wonderful love and grace, help us in turn to also love others. Because as we do, Lord, like ambassadors, we are mirroring, we are reflecting the real love of God to our community. So help us do that, I pray in Jesus' name.